I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Alcohol and drugs, depression and anxiety, lust and pornography, anger and frustration, pride and greed, selfishness and envy, unkind and unwholesome speech, compromise and fear. What is it that holds you in bondage? What is it that you cannot break free from in your own strength? Today I speak the name of Jesus because while we can't, he can. Jesus provides the salvation that we need. Although healthy as a girl by her early 30s, Charlotte Elliott had become a bedridden invalid prone to severe bouts of despondency and anger. In hopes of finding some means to console his daughter, Elliot's father invited a renowned minister to come and visit with her. And after observing one of Charlotte's emotional outbursts, the guest minister pronounced, you are tired of yourself, aren't you? You are holding on to your hate and anger and have become sour, bitter, and resentful. The minister's observation opened a floodgate of emotion in this young woman. Tell me, she said, what can free me from this bondage that grips me so? He replied, you must come. Just as you are the Lamb of God with all your fightings, all your fears, hates, quick temper and pride, and he will give his great love in their place. In that moment, Charlotte Elliott spoke the name of Jesus, and she experienced an inner peace found only through him. Jesus delivered her from her bondage, and despite her disabilities, Elliott lived into her 80s. As her spiritual biography, she wrote the familiar hymn, Just As I Am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings within and fears without, O Lamb of God, I come. And just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. You will never realize how desperate you are to be saved until you know the power that holds you in bondage and until you know the way that you must respond to it. The Midianite oppression over Israel at the time of Gideon was fierce. And so they cry out to God yet again. But notice this time what the Lord does before giving them a deliverer. Judges 6 verse 8 says he sent to them a prophet. 
In Romans 10, verse 14, the apostle asks, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? You see, I believe for a person to understand the, the salvation that he or she truly needs, that that person must hear a sermon. It is through the Word of God that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. It is through the Word of God that the Holy Spirit bears witness to our Deliverer. His name is Jesus. Before the Israelites would be able to overcome the Midianite enemies around them, they first had to surrender to God by rejecting the false idols among them. The Lord makes this known through Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verses 25 and 26. For our day and time, I would simply say it like this. You cannot be delivered from whatever it is that holds you in bondage unless you first surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. So I speak the name of Jesus because of who he is and because of what he alone can do. It is the faith that we need. But how can I believe God for that which he says he will do? Like many of us, Gideon wrestles with that. But in Gideon, um, when God calls Gideon to take him at his word and deed, Gideon asked for a sign three times, once at verse 17 and twice in verses 36 to 40. Gideon initially talks about enslavement and weakness in chapter 6, verses 13 to 15. He essentially says, I can't do it. But God says, I can. And I will be with you to strengthen you and deliver you. In this first instance, God asked for a sign to prove that God would actually choose and use someone like himself. Gideon says, show me that you mean it when you say that you are with me. In the next two instances, Gideon asked for a sign that God will actually do what he promised that he would do. Gideon says, show me that you mean it when you say you will save your people. Much debate surrounds Gideon asking for signs, and I don't intend to enter into that debate this morning. I would simply suggest that Gideon lays out fleeces because he lived in the period of time that Hebrews 1 verse 1 defines as in the past when God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Let our emphasis today fall on the words in various ways. Yet you and I no longer need to lay out fleeces because Hebrews 1 verse 2 continues, but in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. We live on the other side of the greatest of signs. Matthew 1 23 announces the incarnation, the birth of Emmanuel, God with us. 
Yet, like Gideon, we may still find ourselves asking, Lord, are you really with me and that which enslaves me and burdens me so? I am too weak to overcome this addiction. I am too weak to overcome this depression. I am too weak to overcome this issue with anger that I have. Fill in the blank, I'm too weak. But where I cannot, Christ can. John writes in his gospel, chapter 20, in verses 30 to 31, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. How much did God mean it when he said that he would strengthen and deliver us? He meant it so much that he gave us the greatest of signs. The incarnate Christ, God's only begotten son, was crucified and then raised in power over the enemy of Satan, sin, and death. And so Paul can tell us in Romans 8 verse 11 that the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. And so I speak the name of Jesus, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Christ alone, no one else, nothing else, but I speak the name of Jesus. If the account of Gideon teaches us anything it is that we are entirely dependent upon the presence and power of God for salvation. God reduces Gideon's army from 32,000 men to 300. The original number of 32,000, mind you, against 135,000 Midianites seemed improbable enough, but only 300 men, that's impossible. Yet as Jesus says in Luke 18, 27, the things that are impossible for people to do are possible for God to do. God is showing his people, he is showing you and me that we cannot win our battles through our own strength. He is showing us that we could never take credit for our salvation. The Apostle Paul will later write in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith that it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not good that I have done nothing but the blood of Jesus. I speak the name of Jesus because it is his broken body and his shed blood that ensures the victory God gives. The Lord sneaks Gideon into the Midianite camp ahead of the battle. And there, Gideon hears that the enemy knows his name and that the enemy is afraid of him. It is why in Judges 7, 18, the Israelite armies will cry out for the Lord and for Gideon. Go forward into the New Testament to Mark chapter 5. And there Jesus lands in a region where there's a man possessed by a legion of 2,000 demons. 
Verses 3 and 4 tell us this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough. No one was strong enough to subdue him. But this legion knows Jesus' name and it fears him. And justifiably so, because at only a word, Jesus has the power to set the possessed man free. Let us then be assured that those things which stand opposed to us are not as strong as they often appear to be. That which seems to hold us in chains can be broken at the mighty name of Jesus. Of whom shall we fear? If God is for us, brothers and sisters, who can be against us? And yet in the eyes of the world, the way of God's victory seems foolish. I mean, think of it. 300 men with jars, torches, and trumpets to face a massive army. Nevertheless, what on the surface appears foolish is shown to be wiser than human wisdom. And what on the surface appears as weak proves to be stronger than human strength. Situated on all sides of the Midianite camp and during the hour of deep sleep, this small band of Israelite soldiers break their jars. They hold out their torches and blast their trumpets. Now with 300 trumpeteers and the echoing sound of breaking jars, the Midianites are disillusioned. They thought they were being attacked by a huge army because 300 trumpeteers and the crashing of the jars, and they thought, oh, they're upon us. And they're awakened from the deep part of their sleep. This is when they're really deep asleep and there's these individuals who have been on watch and they're coming back and these others who are waking in this deep sleep and they think that the people who are coming back, their own people are the enemies and they fight one another and they kill each other in the darkness of the camp. A minute all. The 300 Israelite soldiers remain hornblowers. Verse 21 insists that each man stood in his place around the camp. While verse 22 explains the Midianite mayhem is entirely that of God's doing. Won't you see today how the battle belongs to the Lord? At the start of this account, out of sight, from the Midianites, Gideon is underground threshing wheat in the wine press. By the end of chapter 7, Midianite leaders will be brought into judgment at the wine press. The reference to wheat and wine is significant. Chapter 40 of Genesis shows us that the baker and the cupbearer prepare the meal for a king. Furthermore, in Genesis 14, 18, Melchizedek brings bread and wine to bless Abram. So don't miss what's taking place in this narrative as recorded in Judges 6 and 7. Before God's deliverance of his people, 
Gideon is seen preparing that which is associated with the meal of a king. And so before bringing victory for his people, the greater Gideon, Jesus, the king of kings, prepares a meal of bread and wine. And why does he do that? It's a meal that preludes the same way that a meal preludes Gideon's victory. It is a meal that preludes the victory of Christ at Calvary. His body broken, his blood shed for us. A message that is foolish to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Don't you see? The battle belongs to the Lord. And so today, if you are a believer and you are seeking strength, oh, here it is. The grace of God for the broken body of our Savior and His shed blood. But if you have yet to profess faith in Christ as your Savior, would you let these elements be a visible sermon to you today and to see how desperate you are for Christ and respond? That's why we come today we're coming today to celebrate the battle that Christ has won. And so there are some gluten-free wafers. If you're gluten-free, please take one of the gluten-free wafers. And there's, and there's juice in the middle and there's um, wafers there. And if you can't come forward or if you prefer to have one that's got the wafer on top and the juice cup, that's here as well. Um, and so for those who cannot come forward, if someone would grab one of those for them. Um, and we will take the, the, the bread and the wine together. So just wait until um, everyone has, has returned. And, um, and as you come, come down the middle aisle and out around the outer part of the aisle. And so as Laura plays, and before we come, I just want to pray blessing upon our time of sharing of the Lord's meal together. Let's pray. Christ, we are asking today that you would remind us that whatever it is that holds us in bondage, you are greater. You are greater, Lord. And may our remembrance of this meal that you prepared before you would defeat our greatest enemy of Satan, sin, and death. That you said, remember, remember. And in remembering, may we be strengthened today, Christ, as this, your family, celebrates together around your table. Be glorified and strengthened those of us who are weak and frail, we pray in your holy name. Amen.